Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Ho. Also joining us is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Ho. Joining us all the way from Marcus, Tennessee, one of the pastors at Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Ho! That's three hoes. You know why, people? Because it's Christmas Day. Ho, ho, Boom. ho. Also, we, we, they did not plan out that bit in the beginning, so Lee really could have left them hanging by not joining in there. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Now, I don't want to confuse anybody now. I'm a team player. That's not what this, this podcast is about. Let's keep it clear. Yeah. Let's keep it simple. Totally. We're recording this not on Christmas. No, but it will be released on December 25th, 2013. Which is Christmas. Yes. Indeed it is. But you're thinking, well, I got to tune in on on Christmas. Which to, they have. To hear it. But uh, here's what happens. Yeah. Uh, I've asked Matt many times, what time does a podcast come on? Right. Sure. So I want to hear it. Right. He says, Whenever, whenever you listen to it, that's when it happens. I was like, "Well, how does it know?" Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and then we went back and forth for like a long time, right. and I said, "Now, Matt, keep it real with me. Do you beam it into the future?" And he said, "Whatever." Sure. I said, "Whoa, it's beamed into the future, y'all." Well, yeah. this was after the. Uh the attempt to tell him that it starts every Wednesday at 7 p.m., at which point I would call him on the phone and just put my phone up to the computer speaker. (laughs) (laughs) That started to eat into my minutes. So we had to come up with another strategy. Now, see what, here's why I point this out. Maybe you're listening to this in the week after Christmas. It's possible. And you're thinking, enough already with Christmas. I've had enough. Sure. And you know what? I'm right there with you. (laughs) Are you? Oh, yeah. You're right there with him as we record this before Christmas. Yeah, I, we, me and Christmas are not friends. No? Uh, no, I, because it, it's a lot of, it, there's a lot of dark memories associated with Is there Christmas. perhaps a precipitating incident from your childhood that leads you to this distaste for Christmas? No. Oh, okay. Really? Well. Nothing with a candle? No, I'm going to tell you, uh, let me tell you one thing before I get into that. Uh, at Christmas, this is a traumatizing, traumatizing thing I've had to deal with. At our house, yeah, every parent has a different strategy right. on Christmas. You know, so you know, like the parents that say, you know, everybody gets like one gift, and sometimes like open it on Christmas Eve, sometimes sure. Christmas sure. morning, different ways of doing it. You know, whatever. Uh, here's what happened. My my mother in her mind thought the best way to do Christmas is to take anything that this child otherwise would have incoming. Yeah. Wrap it. <laughs> you got socks, baby. Let, Let me tell sit. you what, I'm going to just say this right now. Not only did I get socks, I got socks that had absolutely nothing of interest about them. You got <laughs> tube socks. I got white plain socks. white tube socks did you then get a lecture about your ingratitude that's correct yeah <laughs> merry christmas here's some guilt right and that's we should exactly point right. out just to set the scene here glenn did not grow up economically disadvantaged no socks no, no. were not the best that mom could do no yeah absolutely which if in that case you know if she had knit them herself sure whatever then you know but not only did it represent no forethought it represented no effort Right. Yeah, it, it was just literally the least she could do. And you, you're thinking, I got 10 gifts under this, like 10 different amazing toys I got coming sure. to me. No, you're, five pairs of socks. You're, you're halfway through socks and underwear. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I assume that since it's a pair of socks, you would wrap each one separately. Sure. So that's uh, two gifts. Well, yeah. I imagine you would have to do that because if, if they're siblings, as we all know, we all grew up with siblings, uh, that gift count better be even. Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Here's what I tried to explain to the people. You have a legal obligation to provide <laughs> me with food, clothing, and shelter. Sure. That's not a gift. <laughs> You know, we, you 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 apparently have come this far in life without understanding 
the concept of a gift. How is that information received? Not Fitz? well. Yeah. You ever well, just yeah. get a receipt for the mortgage payment? Yeah. It was, it was just darkness and yeah. Okay. Uh, but on this basis, yeah, I declare a semi-post-Christmas emergency. Whoa, a time-independent Christmas emergency. Okay, I declare a an emergency upon all of Christmas. Okay, because here's what I'm trying the to say: the emergencies of Christmas yet to come. Exactly right, because w- we have a problem, y'all. Because this is what's happened: all of you people have gone to church for the Christmas Eve candlelight vigil service cantata uh, live manger with real animals, nonsense, craziness, whatever. <laughs> you know what? I, I, we got to stop the madness, y'all. Yeah. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. Nobody, we just not, next year, we're just not going to do anything because it, the whole ceremonializing and all that, is causing trauma for the people. Yeah. And by people, I mean me. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to share a very quick story, and I think you people will understand what I mean and be totally on board. Now, I grew up Presbyterian. I got over it later. But I grew up Presbyterian, okay? And they like to do everything just so, and they got a ceremony, and they got a thing and whatever for whatever it is. If it's Easter, it's we got... This service has 15 different moves just to get started on sure. that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So Christmas, we got the Advent candle. And some of y'all people know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, Glenn, please, it's the Christ candle. Right. Well, okay. So you got you got your Advent wreath. Right. You got your candles on your Advent wreath. Right. Every week, or yeah, every week you light another candle, right? Building but, up to but, the, but those are red ones around the periphery. That's not is, the big white one in the not, middle. That's not the big one. Yeah, the big one you light on Christmas Eve. That's the Christ candle in the middle. Right now, here's what happens: whoever's lighting that Christ candle, that's the VIP right there. That's right. That is that dude. Very is, important parishioner. <laughs> yeah, very nicely done. Yes. That guy's like a celebrity, sure, basically. Sure. You know what I mean? Well, people come up to him and be like, what was it like, man? Yeah, like exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so one year, that was me. Okay. Uh, and and how old were you here? Uh, 15, 16 years okay. old, something okay. like that. Uh, I'm talking about grandma's coming in from Tulsa. It's your Justin Bieber moment. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Now, here's what happened. I've never, never done never anything. Done. Yeah, uh, up to this point, I ain't never done anything right before. Sure. So there was some shock. Sure. You know, like he, something good is happening that he is doing. Sure. Everybody, let's we watch better him document do it. this occasion. Yeah, this everybody is, this stop is the kind of kid that used to be, you know, ungrateful for socks. Exactly. Now right. he's up in church. Now he's the, 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 we got to witness this sure. moment. So everybody's there. They got the cameras and everything. Well, now here's the part that I think you people can all understand. There was, I accidentally uh, was late. Okay. About 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. Because I had other things going on. You're a busy I'm, man. I'm a busy man. Sure. At 15. Got a lot of irons in the fire. Okay. So I'm late, and the pastor was exasperated in a way that I don't think was very holy. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. I don't judge, but he seemed to not be in this Christmas spirit to me <laughs> off of that. Okay. That's just me. <laughs> I was there. Sure. He's taking me off my square. You Absolutely. understand what I'm saying? You were ready to be Christmassy. I, boot. I'm on. I'm I'm all the way there. Sure. Okay. So he says, uh, uh, you know, he's all exasperated. I said, well, just tell me when to light the candle. That's all there is to it. So just sure. tell me when. He says, oh, well, when I, I'll come in, I'll start talking about Jesus. I said, okay, cool. Now, here's what happens. They do something super Presbyterian. Uh, where they do what's called a processional. So he starts at the back of the church, and he's like reading a Bible verse real loud in the back of the church because that makes it extra holy. Totally. And then after he reads that, he's going to start walking up the center aisle, and the choir's going to sing, and the choir's coming in from the back too, and they're going to proceed up the center aisle and go up to the front and the whole thing because that makes it really amazing. It wouldn't be Christmas if we didn't do the processional, y'all. Totally. This is super important stuff here. Absolutely. Okay, so... He's reading the verse in the back of the church. He can't see me up front. I got my robe on because you got to have the robe. Sure. I got my little uh, staff. They, they give you a staff. You right. Know. 
And at the end of the staff, you have some fire, which right. is, I'm all about that. I'm ready. I can right. handle the fire. I'm the keeper of the flame. You understand what I'm saying? I, I called this a, <laughs> I, that's very good. I called this a wand earlier and yeah. it got shouted down, but just to, to give a visualization to the kids at home. Yeah. It's like a wand. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it looks like a shepherd's crook sort of, but that has a fire on the end. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm ready. You're, I'm you're on point. Okay, Someone's I'm giving you a weapon. That's what church has been missing all these years. Okay. Everybody's excited that I'm doing it. Right. It's an electric moment. Yeah. He's in the back. Can't yeah. see what's happening. Reading his Bible verse. And for the record, Jesus's name was mentioned. Okay. That's okay. your cue, man. One would hope so for the Christmas That's verse. That's my cue. So You're on it. I was, I mean, it didn't take two seconds. I was on it. I sure. jumped up, went up, lit it. Candles lit. <laughs> You're welcome, church. <laughs> that just happened. You're saying you lit it and quit it. I. <laughs> He's not saying that. I'm against that, but not saying correct. That. <laughs> okay. Pictures popping off. Grandma's happy. Everything's wonderful. Okay. So I go over. On the side, they got a place for you to sit. I go over, I put out my fire. You're just hanging out. I'm hanging out. And they got the little uh, order of service, you know, a little bulletin where you open it up and look at what's happening next. So I open it up, processional, then read this first, then this thing, and then this thing, and then this thing. And then down the list is the lighting of the advent candle. <laughs> I have jump-started the process by several moves. Sure. And so now I'm sweating because this is going to be bad. Sure. Okay. So I'm hanging back trying to be cool. And Pastor gets up to the front. He's reading this thing and he does that thing and the choir sings or whatever. And it comes to a point where now it's at the point in the service. Right. So he gets up there and he starts talking about the Jesus is the light to the world and you he has come to bring light into our lives and jesus and he's sort of looking at me raised eyebrow yeah and i realized he doesn't know that it is lit already yeah it's not so, in his line of vision yeah he it's sort of uh he's i'm i'm like at three o'clock uh from where he's standing and the, the, the advent candle is sort of at 4.30, so he can't see the candle. He's looking sure. at me. I'm trying to gesture at the candle, <laughs> <laughs> and he isn't picking up on my gesture. Look over there. Look, I'm pointing at the thing. Look, look, look. The entire church can see, obviously, that it's lit. They watch me light it, mm, okay? Mm. He can't see it. But they're seeing me gesture to it. They see it lit. He can't. He's the only one in the church who can't see it. Mm. So he keeps going. And the light has come into the world and it provides the light to all mankind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he stopped and looked at me. And I'm like, look, it's so, it's lit. You know, I'm trying to gesture. <laughs> the peals of laughter, waves of laughter breaking out through the entire church. And. Uh, he comes to the end of the thing and he says, and we will now have the lighting of the Advent candle. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. Sure. I'm a young guy. Sure. I'm just trying to. Plus, it's been lit already. It's been lit can't already. Can't double light it. I don't. I'm just trying to be <laughs> and holy. And you can't put out Jesus. Right. Christmas. That ain't right. That, that can't be it. So <laughs> I did what anyone I think would do, which is get up. With my unlit thing <laughs> and pretend to light the already lit candle. Yes. Pantomime lighting. Pantomiming it, which caused a freakishly <laughs> large amount of laughter to a, occur. It was a ruckus at that point. I mean, it was a pandemonium. Now, given this was a Presbyterian church, was that the highest volume of laughter that had ever occurred in yes. that sanctuary? No question about okay. it. I mean, it was, you know. And of course, I get I I pretend to light it as I'm looking at the audience, giving sort of a shrug, like I don't. Uh, uh, e e Doing the best I can, folks. Here's this, so you're welcome, I guess. And then uh, and then I sat down and laughed to end it, you know. And I don't think uh, me and Christmas have got along since. The, okay. the upside is okay. you killed the room, man. 
Well, that's that. This is true. I had a sense that I could come with the humor part of this, but everything else I felt ill-equipped for. So you feel like Christmas has been gunning for you ever since? Yeah, it's like uh, uh, you know, I'm just trying my best here, y'all. Well, I would just put it out there. I mean, you grew up in Texas, so you right. you never saw snow till you came up here, right? right? Yeah. So the snow and the cold and the miserable and the zero degrees and whatnot, you might feel like that's Christmas trying to punish you, right? For the way you did it dirty back in Texas. Exactly right. Okay. Okay. And, and this is what I'm trying to, I'm just trying to bring some understanding. Sure. A, Jesus was mentioned. Sure. B, the candle was lit. Totally. Maybe it's a little bit early. You know what? What's wrong with that? It's early Christmas. No okay. Need to over the details. There ain't, there ain't anything wrong with that. Absolutely. Okay. Number three, when confusion and chaos reigned. I brought us all together. Sure. By being completely fake in church, <laughs> which is what they seem to want. Well, not necessarily everybody but the pastor, really. Yeah, well that's yeah, that was the thing is uh yeah. You're a healer, Glenn. I'm trying to bring the people together. <laughs> You're a healer. That's my sure. main that's my whole deal. And a circle. <laughs> exactly. No, <laughs> save it. <laughs> all right, why well, do you feel you feel lighter, like you've unburdened yourself yeah, with Christmas I do. toys? I feel good. So on that basis, <laughs> based on the hand signal yes, that I got from you. Matt, I declare emergency off. Excellent. <laughs> it's, a, it's a smooth operation. <laughs> it really here. is. It's clockwork. <laughs> if you were a Christmas Eve service that you went to last night, it felt like it was a little bumpy in the transitions. Now you know how we feel. Yeah. yeah. I also like the idea that somewhere there's a Presbyterian pastor in his sixties telling that time, telling the story of that time that Fitzgerald ruined Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that story <laughs> gets told. Moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if you, uh, if you, unlike Glenn, would want to extend the Christmas season a little longer, we're still offering our free Christmas EP when you sign up for Bridgebox. Oh yeah. It's oh, got yeah. some great original songs from both Lee and Jed, some reworks of some hymns. Our friends Zach and Haley helped us out with some vocals. A lot of cool stuff. Absolutely free download when you sign up for Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox, or the Lee Younger brand of Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash BBLY. If you want them both for the low, low price of $12 as opposed to 16 email me, Matt, at missionusa.com. All right. I'm going to jump into our first question here. It came in to our Tumblr. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, give you some ways to get in, in touch with this. It says, I'm a single 20-something male involved in college fellowship and church groups. Maybe it's just me, but when I talk to girls, it always seems like I mistake their kindness for flirting and vice versa. A lot of Christian girls I know say that they're polite and nice to everyone, so how do I know which ones are interested? Glenn? You ask them. <laughs> yeah. I want to be very clear that Glenn is using a hilarious mispronunciation of the word ask do not ax anyone <laughs> yes that's correct yes say that say that podcast does not condone romantic axing <laughs> that's, that's correct uh yeah you it, 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 correct look if if you are trying to uh you navigate this uh l romantic world uh, you have to understand about yourself as a dude you're extremely poorly equipped to do that yeah um yes. Part of the dynamic of male-female relationships is we generally don't understand a lot of what's going on in the female mind. Mm -hmm. And when you get older, you get deeper into relationships, you learn a whole lot uh, more about ladies and how to uh, read their moods and what they're into and wh what they're trying to talk about. Uh, but at this stage of the game, you are going to be clueless. Sure. There's it's no doubt about it. fair to say that women communicate on a level roughly 10,000 times subtler than males can actually pick up on? That's yeah. correct. Yeah, they're, 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 they're analyzing all sorts of hints and signs and indications that we don't even know we're giving. And meanwhile, it takes a team of guys to work out and analyze uh, whatever this gal said and generally speaking the conclusion is always the same well i don't know so um that that's not going to work uh don't don't try and read the uh tea leaves the second thing about this is it's really about what you want yeah. not what they want uh if you'd like to date this gal um uh, then that's the important uh, uh telling feature of this dynamic here in other words um 
we we have to understand uh, uh, sure having love and and romantic feelings for someone to have them not return it is painful and in, in a, to a certain extent uh, but that's kind of part of the whole romantic picture that uh, we uh, uh, have affection for people whether they have it back for us or not and we act boldly on that that's what romance is all about so if you want to date this gal you're going to ask her out whether you think she'll say yes or not that's how that works uh sure you'd like to have a hint or an indicator as to whether she'd say yes or not but that would kind of take all the fun out of it The, the the whole fun of dating people and asking them out is the sheer unmitigated terror of what they might say and uh you you don't want to de- deny yourself that overwhelming uh you know moment of you know what is this i can tell you very very briefly when i uh, asked uh, out uh, and uh, started into a relationship with my wife and when she was when we were just friends we knew each other uh i was asking out someone and if you if I show you a picture of the two of us at the time, uh, and it's, of course, still true today, th- this was not only a gal out of my league, this was a gal like two or three levels beyond where I was at. <laughs> and um, I had absolutely no business whatsoever asking her out. That was just crazy. Yeah, you got to take a swing. Yeah, this this was my thought. Is It, it doesn't matter whether she's going to say yes or not. I'm going to take a shot. Absolutely. So, and I re- remember I... I, I told her you know i want us to be more than friends and she did the christian thing where she said i'd like to pray about that to which i assigned the thought well that means that she doesn't know how to say no so she's going to take some time thinking about it so i called her back three days later and um she's you know saying well i've thought about it i've prayed about it and as she's saying this this is true i want you to picture this i'm laying face down on the floor on, on the on on the carpet of my apartment, uh, face down, like a log on the floor with the phone to my ear, because it, I know she's going to say no, and I just don't. I You're just bracing wanted, yourself, literally. Yeah, I'm literally bracing myself because I know she's going to say no. There's no chance. And then she says, "Why? Well, I, I I prayed about it and talked to my friend about. It. I think it'd be great for us to be more than friends." And I immediately leapt up and began dancing, as I said in the most casual possible voice. Well, good. I think that's as I'm doing this wild gesticulating dance. This is what dating is all about, y'all. Um, don't don't deny yourself that. And the last thing I'll tell you is this is true for godly marriage, godly relationships. Uh, if you want to have a healthy uh, uh, relationship that glorifies the Lord, it starts with clear communication. Yeah. And I think that ought to begin right at the beginning look this gal in the eye uh, give her a smile and tell her i i'm i i love the time that we spend together i love having conversations with you uh you're just crazy beautiful uh i think we have a lot of fun together i want us to go out i know this great place i'd like us to go out on a date what do you say hang it out there and uh take your shot you know that's that's what dating's all about Absolutely, Judd. Well, I agree with everything Glenn said. Um, and, and, brother, I appreciate your predicament. I, I, I really do. Here's the thing of it is it won't kill you to get told no. Exactly. Um, yeah. that, that's, you know, I think we've built up so much of this stuff in our heads that it's easy to get to a point of, you know, if I asked somebody out and they said no, my world would just shatter. Right. It's just not true. I have asked out plenty of people and gotten shot down. Sure, yeah. And that's just, that's life, you know? Yeah. I mean, and some of those reasons were uh, totally legit. Some were totally bogus, but it made no difference. <laughs> you know, the answer was, yeah. was no. Right. Uh, I'm still here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've done quite well for myself in that department. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, I think, you know, they say with people who work in sales, you know, their job is selling stuff for a living. They say that people who are good at that, whether they're selling refrigerators or Twinkies or international arms, whatever they're selling, the thing that makes them good at sales. That escalated quickly. Yeah, you know, (laughs) I like to keep the variety in there. The, The thing that makes them good at sales is that they're absolutely unafraid of being told no. That's what makes them good at sales. And um, if you can dig it, what allows them to be unafraid of being told no is it doesn't mean anything. Uh, You know, good salesmen, they don't take it as a a statement on them when you say no. Say, would you like to buy this refrigerator? Nah, not today. All right. It's not, what's wrong with my refrigerator? 
what's wrong with me? What do do they have a better refrigerator they prefer? Is that, is that what this is? Just it's like, all right, fine, no problem. It doesn't have to doesn't have to mean anything. Well, I'd encourage you to to go the same route where you're a cool dude. Um, I hope that you know that about yourself. You are. We can tell. We can just sense through your question that you're a cool dude. You're offering somebody the chance to spend some time hanging out with a cool dude. That doesn't work for them. All right, it's their loss, man. Right. You know, somebody else wants to hang out with a cool dude. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's awesome. You're not saying to. I hope desperately that you're not saying to people, "I am a loathsome creature. <laughs> right. Would you pity me and come and be my bride?" Right. That's that's not an offer. Right. Um, I I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> what you got, man? That was like you. That that was in the chamber. That was almost like a script you've used before or something, man. That well, was... that's a setup for Jed's uh, Christian book. You're a loathsome creature, and no one will ever love you unless you buy this book. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to people and you're saying, "Hey, you know, uh, uh, you're cool. I'm cool. It'd be cool to hang out. Let's grab coffee. I'm buying." Yeah, you'll get a couple of no's along the way on that. It doesn't really say anything about you. Um, right. But there's going to be a gal who says, that's awesome. Let's do that. Let's go right, right. now. Right. Your focus wants to be on the one that's going to say yes. That's the that's the whole point. But I think, I think Christians get so afraid of being told no. And particularly, and, and here's what I want you to know, bro, is, is I, I, I understand and I feel you. You get to feeling so insecure and like nobody would want you that... To hear those words, no, it's like just a knife in your chest, mm-hmm. and I, I don't, I don't know that that I could go on. Well, I think that's the thing we got to overcome yeah. is that mm-hmm. sense of I could just if I if somebody told me no, I could never recover. I promise you, you can. Yeah. You you can do this. You you have what it takes. In fact, if you go, this will sound weird for me to say, but if you go and ask somebody out and say, yeah, I, I appreciate it, but. But no, if you can shrug that off, you just found out the kind of dude you are. Right. You just discover you're 10 times stronger than you thought you were. Well, that should give you more confidence the next time you go. Because maybe the first time I was like, you know, it sure would be nice if maybe Mm -hmm. you'd want to. And then they said no, and you shrugged it off. The next time you go like, hey, let me buy a cup of coffee. Right. How's that sound? Well, not only do you know yourself better, you're actually more likely to get a yes on that, too. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it all works out to the positive. But here's my bottom line. You can do this. You don't have anything to be afraid of. Um, if and when you get told no, it doesn't say anything about you. You're a cool dude. You have a lot to offer. Let that confidence come through and keep asking until you get that yes. It's a great point. Very important point. I want to uh, piggyback off what Jed just said before we go to Lee. Don't, eat, don't keep asking the same person until no, you no, get no. a yes. Yeah. Ask different right. people. Yes. yes. I want to make yes. sure that's clear. Lee? Absolutely. The the last uh, you've heard some great advice on this, and uh, great stories. the The last thing that I would say on this is um, <clears throat> decide right now that because let, let's be honest, you know, you come by this honest, honestly. You come by this fear, honestly. This this idea that that you know people are being flirtatious, and I can't tell the difference. Look, there. Let's just state it the way it is. There are a lot of people out there playing games with everybody's yeah. emotions. What I'd love for you to to encourage you to do is decide right now, I'm going to be straight with the people that I pursue and I am not going to take any, I'm not going to play any games and I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess around with anybody that plays games with my emotions. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if you do go ask somebody out and, you know, let's go out, I'd be interested. I'd love to, I'd love to hang out with you more outside of this or, or be more than friends like Glenn was saying. And somebody, you know, gives you kind of a hem haul. Gee, I don't know. I mean, if they start messing around, just say, you know what? Forget about it. Just decide. I look. I'm not going to play games with anybody. I'm going to be straight. I'm going to tell tell them the I'm tell them the way that I feel exactly the way I feel it. I'm I'm going to I'm going to be upfront and honest about that. And then uh, and I'm not afraid to be rejected like like these guys are saying. But aside from that, and on top of that, I'm not going to waste my time on anybody that's going to play games with my emotions. And I think that's a big key. And it sends a message that what you're looking for is somebody that's not necessarily like ready to, you know, settle down and get married right now or anything like that, but somebody that's that's ready to actually go out and have a good time and not 
and not just mess around and play games and who's to say and I don't know and oh I hope I didn't give you the wrong idea and stuff like that just say oh well yeah you know you did but I'm kind of done with that so I think part of that is just looking at the fact that you know you come by this honest a lot of people are messing yeah. around a lot of people are playing games but decide not only are you going to shoot people uh you know not only are you going to be totally honest about this and and just you know say the words but you're not going to mess around with people that are playing games with you either it's a great point a couple things i'll throw on at the very end here one um it's folly to look for a certain set of signs yeah. that mean either gender is interested. We, we do on this podcast a little bit talk about, you know, men tend to be like this and women tend to be like that. And that's for time's sake because we really don't have the, uh, the time to break down all the uh, nuances there so we can make some generalizations, but they're just that. So some, some people, this is both genders personality is such that for lack of a better word, they're for, their personality is just flirtatious. Sure. That doesn't mean anything. That's just a way they communicate with the world. And there are some people who are so reserved or shy or not that, that basically them looking you in the eye is an indicator of interest. So yep. just to try to boil it down to a list of things is, as these guys are saying, uh, putting yourself through a lot of headache that you could cut through just by being straightforward. Second of all, all these guys have hinted at it. It's important just to say it out loud. You're not asking anyone to marry you. Yeah. We're not asking yeah. anyone to make babies. We're just asking coffee. So if you have that in your mind, not only will that help you project a little more casual um, front as you out there, also, if someone doesn't want to have coffee with you, that's not that big a deal. Now, if you pull, if it's a little more, as Jed was pointing out, opening your chest and just saying, will you love me? <laughs> that ain't good. That's setting yourself up for problems. But that's a different question than would you like coffee? And we can see where this is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to our next question here. It came into our Tumblr. It says... This may be a more specialized question, but I wanted to throw it out there. What should be the considerations of a person who might be interested in seminary? My parents tell me that I need to make sure that I'm called by God to do so because it's a very important decision. I want to know what are your thoughts on seminary and how all that works. No. Jed, you'll get your turn. <laughs> well, um, we, we... He's not wrong, though. <laughs> He's not wrong. Look, we want to be super respectful here, um, and we, uh, we know and love dearly many people who work at seminaries mm, and, sure. and many people who, who are part of the seminary system. What we want to be clear on is what seminary is and is not set up to do, because yeah. there's a lot of confusion about that. I went to, to what they call engineering school. Uh, when I went to college. And, um, Is that with the trains? Yes, the guy with the trains. Sure. That's exactly right. <laughs> did you um, wear overalls? I did. I did. I had Good. a striped hat, and I got to go choo-choo a lot. Oh, which, I should have done that. Yeah, it was pretty great. What engineering school actually is... Um, is uh, So I studied a field called electrical engineering, which has to do with circuits and voltages and currents and whatnot. And I want to be crystal clear here. Going to engineering school does not make you an engineer, because this is really, really important. Going to engineering school, you learn a lot of math, you learn a lot of science, you learn a lot of background information. You become an engineer in your, on your own time. You have to, to go out into the world and engineer things, and that's how you learn to be an engineer. They don't, they don't actually teach you that, and they're not, to be very, very clear, they're not trying to teach you that. That's not the point of engineering school. Well, I told you that to tell you this. Uh, seminary works very much the same way. They are not teaching you or trying to teach you how to minister to other people. Right. That's not the goal of seminary. The goal of seminary is to give you a great deal of background in academic study of the Bible and things related to biblical history. Right. Let me say that again. The goal of seminary is not in any way to teach you how to minister to other people. That is not the goal. The goal is to give you a strong background in academic study of the Bible and related biblical and cultural history. Here's what we need to be clear on. Those are helpful things to have. It's a helpful thing mm -hmm. to know a lot of Bible. It's a helpful thing to know Koine Greek. Uh, it's a helpful thing to have a command of biblical Hebrew. It's a helpful thing to know biblical history, a bit of biblical anthropology and archaeology. It's a helpful thing to uh, know a, a bit about the culture of, of the times. But none of those things in any way prepare you to minister to another human being, nor are they intended to. And I think that's where we run into a lot of problems. 
at most seminaries, you will take one class on a subject called homiletics, which is their word for preaching. You'll take one class out of uh, three or four years spent in seminary, depending on the program. You will likely take one class on pastoral counseling, which is, you know, how do you sit down and talk to another human being? I can tell you right now, neither both of those classes are better than nothing. Neither of them will prepare you to preach or to counsel other human beings right. in, in any way, shape, or form. You may learn some, some useful basic concepts in there. Um, may help you to, to have a bit of a framework to think about uh, preaching and counseling. Neither of them make you a preacher or a counselor. And right. if you ask the person teaching that class, they will not disagree with anything that I'm saying right now. Absolutely. They, they will say, this is just a starting point. You have to go forth and learn how to preach by preaching. You have to go forth and learn how to counsel uh, by counseling. That's, that's it. Yeah. Uh, seminary is not set up, let me repeat, it is not set up, it is not intended to teach you how to minister to other people. That is not the goal. If you are going to learn how to do that, you have to do that on your own time in other contexts. Here's the other thing that I want to be very, very clear about. I have a, a very dear friend who is a seminary professor, and um, what this person has told me is that the majority of students that he sees coming to his seminary are there hoping someone will disciple them. That's why they're in seminary. Wow. They want to personally grow in their walk. Um, we need to, to hit pause for a second here because this is important. Seminary is not set up to and is not trying to disciple you. Say that. Discipleship comes from another human being, not from an institution. Right. Right. Um, seminary is not there to disciple you. It is not there to make you grow in your walk. To the contrary, studies have shown that most people who go to seminary report a decline in their own walk with the Lord in the course of that seminary experience. Absolutely. Let me repeat that again. Most people who go to seminary, studies have shown this is a documented thing, report a decline in the strength of their own walk with the Lord um, in, in during the seminary process. Uh, my, my father is a pastor. He's an ordained minister. He went to seminary. Um, he has told me that uh, not only did no one disciple him, no one bothered to ask him if he was a Christian during the entirety <laughs> of his seminary experience or his ordination process in a major mainline denomination. Wow. Uh -huh. At no point did anyone ask him, are you a Christian? Right. That subject never came up. Okay. Now, we tell you all that to say this. Because this you, is an educational institution, not a religious or spiritual That's one. exactly right. This is an educational institution, and they're, they're not confused about that. Right, right. You may be, they're not. Here's the thing. If you're looking for someone to disciple you, you need to find a pastor. That's right. and, and tell them, I want you to disciple me. If you're looking to learn how to do ministry, you don't have to go to seminary for that. You can get involved, particularly in least of these ministry where you are today, uh, become uh, boots on the ground, start doing it. You will learn a lot very quickly. I, I promise you that you will. If you want, if you feel led that what you really want is a stronger academic background in the Bible, um, how to analyze a text, how to exegete a text, you want to know. Um, from an academic uh, standpoint, a certain degree of Greek and Hebrew and biblical anthropology, seminary can be a fine answer to those needs. But those are the needs it's set up uh, to speak to. It is not set to speak to your spiritual growth. It's not set to prepare you to minister to other people. If you know those two things going in, you will be ahead of 99 out of 100 people in seminary. Um, but given that, I think it would be good to take a fresh look at what are you hoping to get out of the seminary experience before you go and spend all that time and all that money. Excellent point. Lee? Yeah, um, I totally agree with what Jed's saying there. And, and uh, <clears throat> I should say... I never went to seminary. I have a bachelor's degree in uh, secondary education history with a minor in political science. And uh, two weeks before I graduated, my pastor showed up at my school, took me out for a cup of coffee, and offered me a full-time job ministering at his church. And a lot of that time, especially in the early years, was spent, uh, most of my week was spent directly being discipled by him and trained yeah. for ministry by him there you many, go. many, many hours a week. Uh, taken, He took me to the hospital and showed me how to do a hospital visit. He took me to sick people's houses and showed me how to pray for them. He took me to, he yeah. took me along yeah. when people lost a family member and showed me how to care for, and the whole time on the in the car ride to the people's house, 
He told me, this is the kind of thing you need to be on the lookout for. This is the kinds of things we need to say. This is our job when we go in here. We're going to stay for this long. This is why. Then we're going to leave. This is how we're going to gracefully exit the room. And these are the things we're going to do to follow up and, and meet their needs, et cetera, et cetera. For years, that's all we did. When, when he would have a, a counseling situation with a marriage cu- married couple that was in trouble, he would put me in the room, he would tell me not to say a word, and he would tell me to watch him. And, uh, and that's mm. what I would do. Watch him, take notes, we'd talk about it later. That's what I did for years. Um, mm. When I had, uh, you know, when I was preparing Bible study lessons, I would run those by him. He would ask me tons of qu- he would just grill me. Why are you saying that? What's the point? What, he would always, uh, whenever I would talk to him about a Bible study lesson, he would say, so far you have a subject, you don't have a point. Here's what I need to mm. know. I'm, in, I'm 17 years old, I'm struggling with this. So what? What does that scripture have to do with my actual life yeah, right now? Yeah, he yeah. would grill me about that stuff all week long, every single week, all the time for years. I never went to seminary, and, and I talked to him about it at one point, uh, talked to my pastor about it, said, do I need to go to seminary? And he said, you don't need to go to seminary. You need to do exactly what you're doing, which is you're being trained for ministry by somebody who knows how to do ministry. Yeah. He said the he said the problem with seminary, and he did go to seminary, but he said as a seminary as a former seminary student, he said the problem with seminary is just like Jed saying, as an academic institution, it cannot measure the things that were important to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm going to say that one more time. As an academic institution, the, those schools are unable to measure the things that are important to Jesus in ministry. You cannot give somebody a grade on how well they love someone. You can't monitor, you know, the the type of relationship they have with the Lord or what their prayer times are like. You just can't do that kind of stuff. So the, a seminary can't actually prepare you for ministry in the way that Jed's saying, because they measure the wrong things. They measure things that that Jesus, um, frankly, went off on some of his opponents about. And so, and that's not to say seminary is all bad. It just says that it just says when it comes to ministry, they measure the wrong things. But exactly like Jed saying, if you want to, and this is not just for people who want to be in professional ministry. This is any kind of ministry. Okay, so we're kind of getting outside of the box of this question. You need to find somebody who's good at ministry, who knows because of experience, and you need to just sidle up alongside them and learn how to do it step by step. Ask a lot of questions. When you see something cool happen, say, "Why did you do that?" When you leave the ministry environment, you say, okay, now when you said this thing, why did you say it? And just learn as much as you can and then get out there and start doing ministry and start getting reps and figure out where you need to grow. Yeah, totally. Glenn? Uh, Let me just tell you this. Hit rewind and go back and listen to what Lee said because what he just finished describing is the most optimal way to yep. prepare for a ministry career yep. that's yep. as yep. good as it can possibly be done yeah right there if you have a way of hooking that up that's what you do if, if no question about it uh, i also would give sort of my full disclosure on this uh, uh i also did not come up through the the seminary system uh because i'm a very very old antique person um I kind of came up through sort of an alternate thing Uh, years and years ago. uh, uh, Most of us who got into parachurch ministry or missions type ministry would be trained through our organization as opposed to through the seminary system, uh, the way a a church pastor would. Uh, So, you know, we would have classroom time and assignments and all that, but that would be through the organization that hired you. So it was a very different thing, and as these guys are pointing out, what I learned in that system was ministry. Uh, their viewpoint on learning the Bible is that I was supposed to spend the rest of my life doing that, yeah. not just a few years of intense sort of, uh, you know, binge and purge on it there. So, um, you know, I, I, I and, and by the way, I, I think that was the exact right way to do that. Also, full disclosure, I actually sit on uh, the board of directors of a very small a local seminary here, uh, and I do spend a significant amount of time not only working with pastors but with seminary professors on the content that they teach and their approach to teaching and all these different kinds of things. So I'm not telling you anything different than what I tell them, and generally what I tell them is they do almost everything exactly wrong. Uh, and I'm telling them uh, along the lines of the kind of stuff that both 
Jet and Lee have outlined for you here. Um, you are a bi- I, what I tell them is you are a Bible lecturer, and uh, you have told all these people uh, coming to you to learn to be a pastor that the best way to minister to people is to be a Bible lecturer. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that's a problem. Uh, they, they don't know how to reach people. They just know what it says in the Bible and how to give a lecture on that. The problem with that is I have an NIV study Bible, and I look at the bottom, and it explains that stuff out real good, so I don't need you. I can just stay at home and do that. Yeah. So you haven't provided a service for me. You you aren't discipling me yet just because you explained something that's uh, written in that book. I can I can go to other sources and do a better job with that. Um, the, the truth is everything that you would learn in seminary, you can get for free right now. It's in the library. You get a library right. card. Uh, you, if you want to buy a book and learn stuff that's in the Bible and learn how to do ministry, all those kinds of things, uh, you can, you can get a library card and study all that. What you're paying tens of thousands of dollars and going to graduate school to do is to have somebody certify yeah. that you know that. Yeah, that's it. And this is a this is a thing. What you have to do is look at: Do I need to do that based on the profession I'm looking to have? In other words, if you want to be a church pastor in some denominations, frankly, in most, you need to have a Master's of Divinity degree in order to get that. Now, it it's not going to help you in your walk, as these guys are pointing out. It's not going to help you figure out how to minister to people. You're going to know a whole bunch of Bible in a way that's going to be sort of crammed down your throat and where you kind of, you know, no longer like it. Well, just to jump in on that point, you know, something that we hear a lot off to the side is a great number of people who have gone both to Bible college as an undergraduate or to seminary for graduate school who report, I can't read the Bible anymore. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. I mean, understand, you know, we're, we're talking in some negative terms here. So yeah. let's put it in perspective. I have... all. I can literally not think of a single person I know who has gone to seminary has come out and said, that was great for my life and my <laughs> yeah. walk and prepared for ministry. Never. Never a single positive word in my entire career have I ever heard that. Yeah. So we're being a little diplomatic and gentle. It sounds like we're being super negative. We're, we're not. not. Okay, that's not what's going on here. But uh, you have to ask... Do I have to put up with all this in order to get into my profession? And and if you do, then maybe you have to pinch your nose and go through it. Um, that's what you have to ask. Because if you want to do youth ministry, for example, yeah. in a lot of places they may not require for you to have a Master's of Divinity degree. If you want to do missions-type work, a lot of places don't care if you have uh, an MDiv. They, they, they're fine with you just having a, a four-year degree. So... It, it, you need to research what it is that you want to do and what the educational requirements are. If they don't include seminary, steer all the way around yeah. that. And, yeah. and if you want to know what they're teaching there, again, get your library card, start reading, and make that a lifelong journey. You can get a nice used copy of Systematic Theology for about $3 on Amazon. Yep. There you go. And just read it to your heart's content. Take your time. Enjoy yourself. Uh, it, you don't need anybody to certify that. Um, uh, uh the last thing I, I, I'd quickly point out about that is uh, you have to understand how to process what it is that you're hearing. It's important, if you're in seminary, I mean, it's important for you to have a mentor now that you can go to and say, okay, they are talking about this subject, they're describing this thing that we're studying and it seems like there's no point to it. Uh, you, If you go to a pastor, and here's the thing, every now and then you'll go to a pastor and say, this thing seems to have no point, and they'll say, no, actually, there is a point to it. A quick example, I had a guy who was uh, in seminary, and he said, you know, covenant theology, that seems like, what the heck is that? Why would I use that? I don't even understand it. And I said, well, look, here's what it is. In the Old Testament, we're under the covenant of the law. We obeyed the law. Now that we're in the New Testament, we're under a covenant of grace. So it was one deal, one agreement, one covenant that we had then, and it's a different deal now. If you're going into the jailhouse and explaining it to those guys, they can understand that idea of a different deal, a different agreement between two different people. It's a convenient way of explaining it. That's what theology is supposed to do. It's a great idea. Uh, you know, that same guy will ask me about, you know, 
what what do I need to do with pre-millennial, post, you know, whatever, and <laughs> eschatological, whatever. And, you know, if you have a good mentor or a good pastor, he'll tell you, ah, you don't need to do that. So that you're not, because yep. uh, you're going to spend a certain amount of time unlearning some of this stuff. If you hopefully. can, yeah. Yeah, hopefully. So if you can filter that out at the beginning, that's key. Yeah, that's a great point. One thing I would tack on to the end of that, uh, one of my favorite stories, we have a, a pastor we work with at the bridge who's a very high up in a very mainline denomination. He works at a world headquarters. He's a pastor of a church. And another guy who volunteered with us was telling him that he had just, he was thinking about going to this seminary here in town. And his pastor is a great guy. He's an African-American gentleman from North Carolina. He's He's got to just, I can't do the voice justice, but he's got the most Morgan Freeman, but even cooler voice. Yeah. This guy says, I'm thinking about going to seminary. There's a long pause. And his pastor says, don't go if you don't have to. That's <laughs> Which right. is exactly what Glenn is saying. And one, one thing I'll tag on the end of that real quick is um, Glenn's talking about how seminary certifies you, which is true. One thing it does not do is qualify you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in volunteer ministry for about 10 years, professional ministry for a couple. These guys have all been in uh, full-time professional ministry for a decade or two. No one in this room has ever been asked by someone they were helping. Now... Did you learn that in seminary? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you may occasionally that. get that from someone who comes up to you at church afterwards. That person's just a jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a never been a high school kid, person at the jailhouse, person yeah. with a real problem. Yeah, it, inquis- inquire about my postgraduate yeah. education. Well, you yeah, know what yeah. Tom says, Matt. He says that thing. Uh, uh, he says most guys that graduate from seminary, they spend the first two and a half years after they graduate waiting for someone to ask them the questions to which they know all the answers. Yes. Right. Yeah. Or nowadays, maybe they get a blog and just write that post even though no one asked. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Got to get it out there. All right, we're going to jump to our last question here. It came in anonymously at our Tumblr. It says, I keep falling to lust, porn, masturbation, yada, yada. That's in the question, by the way, which I think we should all appreciate the coolness of that. <laughs> the yada, yada is clearly the worst of those sins. Yes. <laughs> Don't try to think about what the yada, yada is. <laughs> and I don't feel guilty about it, which is good, but I feel more apathetic about it than anything. It's come to a point where I don't really care anymore, and if anything, I feel guilt from not caring. My relationship with God has definitely been at a low for about half a year now, and I haven't felt in- intimate with him at all. Advice, help, anything. Lee, can you kick us off? Absolutely. Um, we, you know, we get so many questions about this, and sometimes people that have listened to the show so much, you're going to hear us, you know, saying some of the same things again. Um, we talked about we talked about this same kind of issue on the last episode, but what I want to talk about is the, uh, and we can talk about some of this stuff about how to deal with your problems with lust and porn, masturbation, everything. What I'd like to look at is the end of this question, where this person says. You know, I'm feeling apathetic about my relationship with the Lord. I'm feeling apathetic about my sin. And now, uh, you know, now I've got guilt about that. And so my relationship with the Lord is at an all-time low, and um, I, I don't feel intimate with Him at all. Advice, help, anything. I, I, I really like that question because I think a lot of people define the health of their relationship with the Lord based on the emotion that it brings them. Yeah. And um, and look, sometimes your walk with the Lord is going to fill you with amazing emotions. You're gonna you're gonna feel uh, you're gonna feel just joyful in Him. You're gonna feel excited about the you know the stuff that He's showing you and the stuff that that He's allowing you to be a part of, and that's all really really cool. Sometimes you're not gonna feel anything, but there's something that's very important that you need to understand, which is the status of your relationship with Jesus has absolutely nothing to do with your emotions about it. Yeah. Okay, and what that means is that if you have believed in Jesus, Jesus died on the cross to pay for all of your sins, to 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 reunite you with God, to give you a, a restored relationship with God that can never fail, that can never change, and he's got you in his hand. He promises that he's forgiven all your sins. He's given you his own righteousness on your account, and he says you get to be in heaven forever. That is your legal status in the books of heaven. It cannot change no matter how you feel about it, no matter if you're at a high or at a low, no matter if you feel apathetic or you feel amazing. And it's really, really important that we that we know that. That's a very important thing for you to know is that my status with in, in the mind of God and in the books of heaven is not impacted by my emotions about my relationship with the Lord. 
you've got to have that down because if you don't, if you don't understand that, then when you feel low or you feel apathetic, you're going to think my relationship with the Lord sucks, which it doesn't. Your relationship with the Lord is rock solid. It is settled. You have, your status is completely and 100% saved. You don't get extra saved because you're excited about it. Okay. Your emotions don't supersize your savedness. Yeah. And that's a really, really important place to start. The next thing I would say is I was talking to a really, really good friend about this the other day. And this is just a sweet dude, loves the Lord and uh, is, is in ministry and everything. And he was just saying, you know what? I just don't, I'm just feeling far away from the Lord. I just don't feel connected to him at all. And I said, well, why don't you, you know, you're, you're, you know, the time that you spend with the Lord, what what does that look like? And it's, you know, and you get kind of a typical answer with, with people where it's like, well, I'm trying to, you know, read some Bible every day and do some journaling. And I was like, okay, stop. Just stop doing that because that's not where... Why don't you do something completely different? And right. if you can dig it, where we landed with this guy was get an audio Bible, put it in your, put it in your iPhone headphones, go to a batting cage... Put a couple bucks in the batting cage and just swat these baseballs and listen to some audio Bible, then get back in your truck and drive back to the apartment. And the biggest smile goes across my friend's face, and he was like, that sounds like the coolest thing I've ever heard of. And I was like, well, let's Mm. just go for it. Just do that. By the way, that counts. It's fine. Yeah. You know, that, oh, yeah. there, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. In other words, what we got at the heart of was, what is something that you love? What is something that you would do with your best friend? Why don't you go just do that with Jesus? Just go hang out with him and do that thing. Go take a walk. If you love taking a walk, go take a Switch it up. Do something completely different. Let's, let's approach your time with the Lord from a completely different angle. Think outside of the box. Get creative with it. Have fun with it. Do something totally different. And let's worry about, let's, let's separate out this, this sin I want to quit from this apathy about my relationship with God. I think these are two separate issues. I'm sure that they bleed over, okay? I'm sure there's a Venn diagram where the fact that this thing keeps happening, it's, you know, it's 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 deadening some stuff or whatever. I'm sure there's some of that. This is mysterious business. But for the most part, let's separate those things out. Number one, realizing your relationship with the Lord is not based on your emotions. It's based on what Jesus has done to secure you as his own child. That's the first thing. And two, let's look at this apathy piece and see if we can't just just think outside the box and come up with some really, really cool way to hang out with Jesus and see if that doesn't kind of knock some of that down. Yeah, absolutely. Glenn? Yeah, I agree with exactly what Lee is saying here. I think uh, as, as he's breaking down, I think it's the perception of your sin here that's the problem here. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's weird about that is we actually don't, talk to God, and we especially don't listen to God about our sin. We yeah. actually listen to what the devil says about our sin okay. all the time. Yeah, yeah. that's All this guilt stuff that you're talking about, that's... Uh, you, you listen to the devil make you feel guilty about it till to, to you reached a point where you had to be numb in yeah. order to keep going. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, you would think somewhere in that process you'd ask God what he thinks. But the thing is, the weird thing about a relationship with God and sin and all this stuff is we never... We don't, it's like we would be uh, like uh, like God's too holy to talk to us about our sin. Like, wow. for example, you wouldn't call up your grandma and say, Grandma, I've been watching a lot of porn lately. What do you think? Because grandma's all like sweet and nice and she that. doesn't. Grandma doesn't want to hear that. Grandma, <laughs> grandma definitely doesn't want to hear that, y'all. Okay. <laughs> Keep it to yourself, all right? Can you we know. get a grandma doesn't want to hear that T-shirt? Yeah, grandma. yeah, 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 exactly. This is a, so we think God's the same way. God doesn't want to hear about porn. He's holy. He doesn't want to deal with that. You know, uh, the truth is, God has a lot to say about that, and it may really surprise you. Yeah. I think uh, you you may have conceived of this thing in in a very different way. Let me give you one example. of What I think about that is. I think the way that you conceive of sin, and I think a lot of people, is a series of actions that are wrong. 
Okay. Uh, you you say I keep falling to lust. So it's I in my mind, I'm picturing that uh, your conception of this is I'm way up here, then I'm way down here. Sometimes I'm super holy. Sometimes I'm falling. I fall from this big high place where I'm doing great, and I fall down yep. into lust. And then I climb way big up high, and then I fall back. That perception that you have is probably about 99% fiction. Sure. Uh, first of all, you may not be on some great spiritual high. Uh, uh, you know that, and 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 that you know that may be a little bit of ego talking there, and um, the, the you're just defining the sin that's taking place here as a series of actions. Is it maybe more accurate to think of it as a state of being? In other words, are you have you entered into a, a state of mind, and that state of mind is dictating these choices and actions and uh, individual things that you're doing wrong if that's the case then that changes everything we're we're not talking about stopping doing an individual action we're talking about stopping and changing an entire state of mind that's exactly what lee's giving us in his example and that's is the, we've got and, and that i'm sorry glenn and that and that's what go ahead, the, go ahead. The, the uh the biblical word repent is much more about that yeah, than exactly. what people think it's about Exactly. It it is exactly that. It's about changing one's mind and one's thought process, and of course, the actions will follow and flow out of that. So, I think that perception of that is what needs to be changed. One super quick little point I'm going to tack on the end: the point of sin is pleasure. <laughs> you are not having it, so don't bother with the sin. <laughs> if if it doesn't feel good anymore. You could go ahead and quit. You're maybe you aren't good at it. That's okay. It's all right. <laughs> I have a ton of inappropriate comments I would really like to tack in on to the end of that. Well, in that the- case, I'm going to cut you off and throw it to Jed. <laughs> there you go. Well, my friend, we appreciate you and we we love you and we you know uh, appreciate your comment. It, it sounds to me like you're bored. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds to me like we've gotten to a point where the just the whole. The whole thing is is boring, and you realize there's nothing to it. And and I think part of the problem is that you've been lied to. You you've had Christians paint for you that this Christian life thing is about not sinning, and that's the grand um, you know uh, uh, narrative of it all. And that's how you know how you're doing. And you realize that's just not working for you. And it's just kind of boring, and you know what else to do. And that's okay. That's actually a, a, a good thing to arrive at that point. Here's what I just to build on what Glenn and, and Lee have already said. Here's what I'd encourage you to do is. Spend some time daydreaming on if you woke up tomorrow and you were just free of lust, you'd mm. been delivered. What well, what would you do with yourself? Yeah. What 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 would yeah. be next? What would yeah. you you know? Maybe you'd go and you'd help out with this thing over here, or maybe you'd you know take a road trip and you know see the painted deserts or something. But make that list. What would you do? And then pray about just doing those things anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. th- the thing the thing that the devil really really hopes is that he could just keep you in this cycle of lust and how you're doing with it is the main consideration yes. in your life at all times. Yes. Right. I, I have to tell you two things about that. One, that's an awful, awful, awful life you do not want to live. Yeah. And two, you will always have enough struggle with lust in your life, no matter what you do, where he can keep you on that same track. Right. Um, y- you are a sexual being. Uh, and, and even if you get to a point where you're basically, you know, you've pretty much killed pornography in your life, you're still going to have lustful thoughts, sure. just so you know. That's still going to happen. That's that's a part of being human. The devil's going to keep putting that temptation towards Absolutely you. Absolutely right. As, as long as you're willing to let, you know, lust be kind of, you know, that's how I know what day it is, um, he's going to make sure that, that that keeps happening. We need to add, we need to go somewhere new. Um, we need to we need to, to, to have a new narrative, a new adventure, a new sense of why we're getting out of bed in the morning, and a new thing that our relationship with God is about. I think that's what Lee's pointing to. I think that's what Glenn's pointing to. I think you're bored because your relationship with God has been about, I get guilty, and then I go to God and say, make me not guilty anymore. Right. But God wants to give you something so much cooler than that. Yeah. He wants to give you an intimacy that comes from walking and talking and sharing thoughts and feelings, doing stuff together, going on adventures. You don't have to be perfect to do that. In fact, that's the whole point of Christianity, is that you don't have to be perfect 
to to have that kind yes. of of yes. walk. That's yeah. that's why we have this religion. It's for sinners like you and me. So I'd encourage you um, do some daydreaming. What would your walk with God look like if we could just reinvent it? What would your life look like if if we just woke up tomorrow and, and lust was no longer a thing? And then start walking in those directions. Um, and and not only will you be happier, that's more than anything else you could do is what will actually kill lust in your life anyway. Right. right. Yeah. Um, that's that's how you'll actually overcome right. it. But but you can do it. You've actually by getting to a point of saying I'm not down with the guilt anymore i'm not going to be on that you're already nine tenths of the way there so take that one next step and launch into that new thing you are going to be about that's absolutely a great point i want to piggyback right in the end of that to make a real quick point and this is uh, something glenn talks about a lot with the guys we worked at the bridge is that god has something for you in your life your struggles are not monsters they are just things in the way yeah yeah so actually when you let go of the guilt and all the emotion you can see it that way if you were on the road somewhere you really wanted to be and there was a tree across the road, you would not get out and say, I don't have any feelings about this tree. <laughs> right. Clearly, I should be in more anguish about this tree. That's right. a problem. No, you would think of, I really want to be in this place. Time to get rid of the tree. Right. It's, and th- it, I know it feels weird when you get so entrenched in a thing that you feel apathetic about it, but when you can see it as boring and just something you want to get over, that actually puts you in a really good place to move forward. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. I also throw on there, we've had a couple people do this recently. <laughs> if we answered your question and you want to follow up with us, you can do it at those same addresses. We, we do read everything. We'll respond to you. We can talk it out. If you heard something you didn't quite understand or just something you want a little more uh, breakdown on we're happy to do that just remember all the way through the month of December if you sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox or missionusa.com slash bbly you get our free Christmas EP sent right to your inbox we'll send you the download link you'll get it the same day thanks for listening just remember we love you God loves you there's nothing you can do about it I'd like to light your candle <laughs>